0: These are stories that need to be told. elevated in the yeah. community. These, these need to be told. And not only do the stories need to be told, but the stories of empathy, of, yeah. of how people are responding um, to each other throughout this, how they are aware of it themselves. Because it's one thing to experience something, but to never share it, um, to never acknowledge it in yourself, to let it just sit and Hey, again, spoiler alert, that's what's going to affect your body, right? And then when you share it, it's like a lifeline you toss out for someone else to say, I really needed to hear that. I'm going through that too. And that's how that community and empathy grows as well.
1: Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. hello be it till you see it listener what's up babe how are you Ah, oh, i can't wait for you to like hear this woman's words and then i have homework for you i want you to go listen to her mindful mentor podcast and listen to the episode we were on in the mid out. she's really an amazing unique person and you know um definitely uh a be it till you see it like person didn't even know she was being it till she see it saw it until she was but um there's some great tips in here. And also we talked a lot about the uh, trauma informed and activating um, and how words and sounds and things can be activating. And so um, I definitely am um, excited for you to kind of hear that because I think we talk about trauma or we talk about trauma informed, but sometimes I don't always know what that means. So I hope that this really helps um, give you some more information. She also gave some great resources for those who are interested in being a little bit more trauma informed in your careers because there's different trauma informed trainings for different industries. And so, um, definitely check that out. There's some great books that she talked about. Um, I have read the body keeps the score. I'm going to reread it actually, because I read it so long ago. I think it's time for a reread. Anyways. Um, I'm going to let Brie tell you who she is and really dive into how she got to where she is. But, um, I just want to say just a huge, thank you for you being here with your earbuds in on your walk. Um, taking the time, to let other people share their stories with you and inspire you. Um, and one thing, a little spoiler alert in there is that like, it's not easy, right? It's not easy what you're doing. It's not even easy to say, yeah, you know, I'm going to turn on this podcast right now. That's actually a choice. It's hard to do. Like you're, you're weighing the options of what other things you should be doing or binging out on, or maybe you should be doing an extra hour of work. And so I just want to say thank you for making a choice to get a little dose of inspiration and hear um, a tip and Hey, you can be it till you see it. So without further ado, uh, I found out that, uh, she's a fellow Scots woman uh, like myself (laughs) right before we went on. Um, so my team (laughs) had to edit out a little pre intro intro. Um, but, uh, here she is Brie Gordon all right you know you're supposed to strengthen yourself you're supposed to work those muscles you're also supposed to stretch (laughs) you're also supposed to do all these things while doing life and let me just tell you i understand i've been there before and i got really frustrated um i got really frustrated with like my workouts not actually making changes in my body i didn't feel stronger i didn't feel more confident i didn't feel like i was getting good posture and i was standing all day and so i went on a mission for my own self and i discovered it I figured it out. But where I'm at now, 20 years down the road is I'm seeing so many people have the same issue I had and not have the time to actually go do the research, go do the journey. And then also so many workouts that say they're going to do all these things are an hour long. And let's just be real. No one has time for extra hour long workouts when you have the other things you're already doing. So here's what I've created for you a full body workout in 15 minutes. You're going to stretch, you're going to strengthen, you're going to work the center of your body. That's going to help you work your coordination, your posture, confidence, injury prevention. Hello, those with lower back pain, we're going to get rid of that too. So I see you and I really want you to be in this program. It is a free program right now. Um, if we will kick off on February 20th, so you need to sign up before then. You're going to go to onlinepilatesclasses.com slash full body in 15. That's N-I-N-1-5. So go to onlineplayisclassic.com slash fullbodyin15, snag your spot. You're gonna join us for a week. I'm going to actually teach you not just a 15 minute workout, but how to actually do the workout on your own when it's over. So when we're done, you can add this workout before, or after something you're already doing. You can do it on the days where all you have is 15 minutes. And I promise you, you're gonna feel like, woo, stronger, taller, less aches and pains and everything else you're doing. And of course, help you do life better. All right. Be it listeners. I have Brie Gordon here. She is a fellow Scottish family member. Although I don't know, maybe related somehow. We just discovered this five seconds ago that we're both Scottish. Um, anyways, Brie and I met because I put myself out there and I said, I want to do a podcast swap. And I think it's important that you hear that because I could have totally been rejected. I could have totally heard crickets. And she's like, Hey, I, I want to do that with you. And I only have 7 PM Eastern time. <laughs> And we'll get into that. So, Brie, welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast. Please tell everyone who you are and also maybe why we only can talk at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday.
0: Happy to cover all those things. First of all, thank you so much, Leslie, for having me on, for reaching out. Um, That is just how all this beauty is getting created right now, I feel like, since we are getting back into the real world, I guess. But um, after coming out of a year and a half, close to two years of Having to make connections in a new way, like social media, um, I appreciate so much that you did reach out. For those with exceptional hearing, you may be already able to identify why the 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is my talk time. That is the beautiful vocal jazz stylings of my seven-month-old that you hear in the background. <laughs> so, just going to go ahead and call that out from the beginning. Uh, But again, so thankful to be here. Um, Again, my name is Brie Gordon, hence the uh, Scottish connection we were able to tell (laughs) with our last names there. I am a few different things. Um, I am a board certified music therapist uh, by day, I guess, as they say. I am a mother, as we covered. I am a podcaster as well, a public speaker. And I have, um, in the last two years, started developing uh, a, a new LLC that helps with uh, wellness programs as well. So my background as a board certified music therapist and working in medical music therapy for the last 13 years has just connected me to the realization, one, what I already knew is that uh, music truly is, not to be cliche, but truly is a universal language that can connect all of us. Um, but in also working with so many different people from such different walks of life, different cultures, languages, ages, all the things that could divide us, been able to find so many things that connect us and, and so many commonalities within the human experience, uh, which is why I have kind of expanded my view, not just from music therapy, but just to wellness in general, specifically uh, recovering from trauma. So I am located in South Florida, um, originally from Toronto, Canada, grew up in upstate New York. Oh my goodness. Moved down to South Florida. Basically, just moving on down that east coast, you know, <laughs> moving you're, on
1: down. You're gonna, the you're gonna go all the way down to the east side, right? You're all the east side. <laughs> to the east side. Oh <laughs> my gosh! Exactly. So you know what I love about meeting so many guests is, um, and maybe it's just because like attracts like, but no one is just doing like one thing. Like there's a couple of things that we're doing, and I think it's because like no one is just anything. Um, I think we have to go into music therapy for trauma. Can you explain kind of what that? even, what does a day in that look like? And how did you get started doing that? Like, did you know that's what you wanted to be when you grow up?
0: No. Well, there's a couple ways to answer that. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something in music and I knew that I was not called to be a teacher in this life. (laughs) So that forced me to kind of explore other options. So back up all the way uh, to being a young kiddo, uh, my mom and I moved to the States when I was three. My mom worked as a, a CNA in a nursing home and being a, a single parent. And I was only I am an only child, um, not always a lot of child care options. So like days that I didn't have, you know, daycare or school, I'd be going to work with mom. And, and so mom tells me I don't have clear memories of this exactly, but of being in the forum of the nursing home as a three year old holding court and, <laughs> and just singing my little heart out. And I remember my grandma took me to a high school production of Fiddler on the Roof. Um, And I'll just be honest. I come from where I grew up in New York. You know, it was a part Scottish, part Dutch. So I grew Dutch reformed and everybody around me was a a, a Dutch farmer. And everybody looked the same and talked the same and worshiped the same. And so Fiddler on the Roof was a very odd choice uh, for the local (laughs) high school to do. But it was my first Broadway show. And I remember looking at it and saying, I want that. I want to do what they're doing. I want to be that free on a stage. I want Mm. to step into a new role and be a new person. Um, at like five, I was just like connected with that. So we had these home videos of me doing, if I were a rich man in my front yard, like (laughs) this is how I would entertain. (laughs) Well, I didn't realize truly that this was such an exceptional experience to be so comfortable with people outside of your generation, outside of your own life experience until later in life. So. I started to look up options for careers in music and realized music therapy was one of them. Um, I had been working for my mom and uh, my mom was working in, in home care, uh, private home duty at the time. So I would help her out. So I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to be in music. So I went to school for music therapy and everybody wanted to be with the kids. Everyone wanted to do early education, um, you know, sit on the floor with the kids and, and play music. And I... Did not, again, feel called to that. So I didn't realize how special it was that I already knew how to bridge this gap between myself and someone different than me through music. So I started doing all the senior placements and um, I did like geriatric psychology, locked units, hospice care, all these things. Um, Eventually ended up moving to South Florida for an internship in hospice care and worked in that field for seven years. Um, and then went into private practice and started working in oncology and with seniors with Alzheimer's dementia, all these things. Fast forward to 2018, uh, when we had the tragic shooting here in Parkland at yeah. uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. And so I volunteered my time and got a team together um, to join our art therapist in the area to just create a space for this yeah. community. They had like two 10 days to two weeks off of school. Um, so for the students, the parents, siblings, all that, to come and have a space to just be, to just create, um, to feel safe, to feel supported. And out of that, I was hired to work with the students for the next few years. So I've done a lot of programming. That's... Through that work... That's... I'm so sorry to interrupt. Yeah.
1: That's interesting because I was looking over your bio and I'm like, how did you end up with trauma? And it's because trauma happened in their like backyard.
0: Literally, I mean people say that, right? It's our backyard. This was before we even knew what was going on, my staff was calling me. Hey, I can't get to the site, the roads are blocked, I see all these flashing lights, I see all these um media vans, I see helicopters, I I can't get to, you know, the after school program for kiddos with um on the autism spectrum that's just down the road. So before we even knew what had happened, before we even turned on the television. Yeah. I'm getting you know calls from my staff. There's something big going on. I can't get to work. So once I started doing this work and studying more about trauma-informed music therapy, and basically what that means is that trauma-informed is a lens in which you treat through. So knowing that sounds, that images, that references, that things can be activating. And I purposely use activating instead of triggering because I work so much with gun violence survivors. We try to avoid any language. I just want to mention the seven month old in the background, in case picked up. <laughs> just in case you missed the top of this podcast. That's what's happening in the background. <laughs> and so a- anything that you are bringing in and which music lyrics can be very activating, right? The sounds of drums being hit can yeah. be reactiving. So having that lens and that education before walking into a room is really important. So through that work, I realized, well, I've been doing that all along. My seniors in hospice care and my memory care groups are World War II, yeah. you know, active, war, uh, active duty ward veterans, Holocaust survivors. Again, I live in South Florida. We have the largest amount of um, Holocaust survivors in our community um, than I think anywhere other than New York City or wow. the United States. Uh, I work in addiction recovery. A lot of early childhood or adverse childhood experiences um, that are traumatic, that they have survived. So this whole time in my career, I really have been focused on working with individuals who survived a trauma. Well, not only that, but then expand the worldview even further, which has led me into my my newer project of the Mindful Mentor is that's all of us. Yeah, That's not just someone I'm going to meet in a medical setting. That is all of us. And with COVID, we have all experienced collective trauma. Oh, I mean,
1: that's, and that's the interesting thing I have. um, I have my therapist coming into my fitness business coaching group. Um, at the time that we're recording this, it's like in two weeks. So when you hear this, everyone, it'll have happened. But the reason I'm bringing her in this time is to actually talk about how we have to stop living in survival mode because COVID caused every business owner, caused every person to go into survival mode. And that's a great mode, but it's like a fifth gear. <laughs> you're not supposed to live in it. Like It's not good on the engine. It's not good on the, it can't, it's not good, right? Like you would never do it like your car, but I see all these business owners. I see all these women, especially like in the survival mode. And that is also traumatic to like, it's, you, you just don't see things happening in the same way that they are when you're in that mode versus when you're, not in that mode. So I have her coming in, but you you made this excellent point that we've had this collective trauma. And I guess like I'm, f- I'm for the first time doing a training that is a trauma-informed training. It's a trauma-informed breathwork training. And it's actually really interesting, um, for me because, you know, you hear these things that you can be activating towards people or using the word that's commonly used. Like you could trigger someone. Um, and it makes a lot of people go, well, then what do I do? And how do I, do this, And then how do I act? And then it's like, well, how do I be it till I see it? If I if I could actually, actually do this. And so it's like, how, how do you, you know, you went into the space in 2018 without really like, it's not like you had ever worked with a, um, a situation like that in the past. So how did you do that? And how, and like, is there any, maybe there's a way we can all like learn something through your experience. And when, when it comes to like, how do you act in a place that you don't know how to act or how to do or how to heal?
0: That's a really great um, question and actually so fitting to your show that I didn't even think about beforehand because truly that's what I was doing. I didn't even know. I've never heard of Trauma Informed at that point, to be honest with you. Um, So I was being it till I saw it in that that moment. And what that led to was actually partnering up eventually with our music therapist who's been working with the children um, in Sandy Hook um, and in Connecticut. And then we were able to give trainings at our national conferences. But before I got to that point where I'm helping others, I'm thinking, gosh, this is totally. And again, at the moment, I really did think fresh and new, and I've never done anything like this before. So I had to just show up, right? Mm. First of all, I had to know if I was the right person. If, if I truly could not handle this, it was uh, there was a transference issue, meaning that there was something coming up that was too strong within myself, that I was not able to be present for the students, then I needed to find another therapist that could do that. So there is a point where you're not always going to be the best fit for every situation. Right. right? But on this one, it, it did feel comfortable for me to be involved in. I was able to set, um, not set aside my feelings, but just kind of honor what it was coming up in me and then address that in the appropriate place, which meant going to trauma informed therapy for myself, honestly, um, to be aware of what was coming up with me, Working in this is is heavy, right? These are students who have survived an extremely traumatic event. They are wanting to walk through it with you through song, lyric, through uh, discussion, whatever way that comes up, through music, whatever way it is. And as the therapist, you need to know how to be present first and foremost, and second, know how to handle what's coming up Mm -hmm. for you. So I was really fortunate in that I had a team of therapists that i worked with so we were meeting for supervision like one to two hours every day that was a total luxury i've never had that anywhere else in my career uh that i had that much time built into a contract or into a salary that i could debrief and process so
1: So you yourself were going to a, a session to debrief and process what your day was like
0: right so when we were doing what started as a summer camp um so we were working with the students like 30 hours a week through the summer. The summer camp started in June. Uh, The shooting happened in February. So this was was not PTSD. This was T. This was capital T happening in the moment. Uh, So all of us therapists would get together at the end of the day and would process through. Uh, And then by the end of those six weeks, I started to realize that I was the only one of them not in therapy for myself. So then I went to get that additional work done. And I'll tell you what, it's amazing, be it till you see it kind of show up again, being present, first and foremost, being supported, um, knowing that you have a support network around you. But then you really do have to be accountable for that. Because for me, second summer, third summer comes around, I get to the end of the summer and I'm just not feeling good. And and this was, I started, this is a pattern. Every time I get to the end of the summer, my, my back is totally out of whack. I think we talked about this on my show too. Yeah. Your body will let you know what's up. Yeah. right? So I had thought, well, I went to therapy and I talked about this. I processed this. I'm good. Yeah. Right. Is, I, I feel like anyone listening is like, oh yeah, I've been there. I'm like, I, I did that already. Check check. I did, <laughs> no no. I took care of that. Yeah. Like I already did that. So not feeling good. Not feeling good. Suddenly I'm like walking with canes. Not not terribly normal for someone in their early 30s. Um, I go into see a doctor. And they said, were you in a car accident? You have three herniated discs. What? I'm like, nope. I led a trauma camp. And I didn't get any help for myself through it. And Mm now this is my third year doing it. So I know better, right? But I have to stay accountable for it. So I'm not sure. I feel like that does kind of lead into the be it till you see it. Because clearly I am not it yet. I'm still learning. So you got to show up and constantly keep learning for yourself. Be advocating for yourself listening to your body. And the, when you are doing that, you are becoming what those students need. You are becoming what that community needs because you are also taking care of yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think like, you know, cause I'll always say like, take messy action. It doesn't mean like be irrational or erratic or crazy unplanned. Like it sounds like you had never done this before, but you actually did the work to go. Am I the right person for this? Is my team, the right people for this? What do we have to do to get through this so we can support them and not actually make it worse for them? But then you also just did it and 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 then you learned while well doing. So at the end of the summer, you're like, well, <laughs> learn something about myself. I have to add one more thing to this list of things to do. And I think, I think a lot of people get stuck on that because if they don't know the roadmap, they don't know all the parts, they haven't seen it all the way through, then they don't actually get started. And especially with something like this, like I do think a lot of people have seen something bad happens in their community or, um, they're like, Oh my gosh, I want to know how to, I want to help, but I don't know how to help. And I guess like, you know, you, in that moment, there was something in your head that was like, I think we can help here. And I guess, do you, do you, is it something you can pinpoint or is it just a feeling?
0: It's a good question because I, like I started this conversation saying, I didn't want to work with kids. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing against you also had a kid. And <laughs> I didn't know at the time, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, what, what an absolute joy, um, having a child can be. And now I know, uh, but at the time I just, I want to work with my seniors, the rest of my life. I just, I love working with, uh, you know, neurodegenerative diseases, which sounds like a really weird thing to say, but I do, I love bringing joy and, um, feelings of, of success and positivity and accomplishment to those that have cognitive decline. So this was not an opportunity that I was like actively seeking ever before. And I would usually refer it out to other people in the community that I thought would be better fits. I almost wonder if it was a strong personal connection. I'm a, a trauma survivor as a child myself. A uh, part of that is complicated grief. i um, losing my dad at a young age. It wasn't to anything um, violent uh, as this would be, but I believe that there is a connection within trauma that if you have experienced something you have experienced, especially as a child, the feeling of being completely out of control of the world happening around you. um, And just this constant yearning for grounding um, and for a strengthened, a sense of self and for connection. And I identified with all of those things. Um, Now, obviously I'm not going to say have been through what those kids have been through. Uh, I haven't, Um, but I could connect with that feeling of, of needing those things. So I do think it was something in myself. And again, I go back to listening to yourself, listening to your, your your body, your mind, your heart, your intuition, your gut. I mean, I don't know about everybody here. I don't know. Everyone's gut, uh, intimately, obviously, (laughs) but, (laughs) but mine has, has led me to some amazing opportunities that on paper I would have said no to.
1: Oh, I mean, you're, there's this great book called the gift of fear. Um, it is, who is it? Who is it? Gavin Becker. Um, and actually just because the world is so small, I actually taught a woman how to teach Pilates, um, who might be listening to this podcast, whose husband worked, works with Gavin De Becker's company. It's a security firm. And he was in trauma when he was a child and he, his life experience led him to actually be able to see and understand when people are actively going to do what they threaten to do, or when they're just a little bit off, right. Or a lot off, but not actually going to act on it. So he's worked with the FBI and the CIA, all the things, right. And he has a security firm. he wrote a book called the gift of fear. And his whole thing is every single one of us, our gut is telling us what is happening. Do we feel safe in this moment? Is this person a good person? Should we trust this person? Like it literally is, it has these receptors. It's so amazing. But our brain is like, Oh, you're being judgmental. Oh, you don't know. Like he seems like a really nice person. He's got nice clothes on like all these things. Oh, you know, all this stuff And our logic, our brain is like trying to talk us out of whatever our gut is saying, but like logic will fail you most of the time where your gut is pretty on and it's not, and it's okay to go with that. So the book is really dense and it's really interesting. Um, and, and I highly recommend it, especially my ladies listening to this, because it really is informative as far as like, what it means to be like protective of yourself and also like a little overprotective. Like, what does that mean? Right. And then, um, you also made me think of the book, like what happened to you? Um, which is some, some amazing research they've done on trauma on like infants. You know, we think that babies don't have memories before three o'clock, three o'clock, three, three years old, three o'clock before they're, <laughs> 3 PM. They have no My memories. Baby's not to not remember any of this. I remember it's still two thirty. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, three years old, but the reality is, is that they have found and they study people long enough to know that if even in, in three, your first three months, you've had something traumatic, it really does affect your the life birth
0: experience oh. is traumatic. Yeah. I mean, it's I um, in addition to all this other stuff, I'm working through an online training in play therapy and it's neuro relational child centered play therapy. And a lot of it is on trauma and the memories that they find these children um, even reenacting like their birth experience, even at four or five years old. Whoa. Um, yeah. There was one story in the training where um, one of the child came in the room and one of the things about uh, play therapy, particularly this model is you don't intervene. I mean, you have to keep it safe in the room, but you're not guiding the play. because truly the child is, is expressing themselves through the place. So you don't want to really put parameters around it. And so this child found in like a beanbag chair, an opening in it, just a small hole and found their way into the beanbag chair, and then became very emotional upon interacting uh, or, I'm sorry, playing out, coming out of the beanbag chair. And what she realized when talking to the parent was that there was a traumatic birth experience. Now, this is like a four or five-year-old.
1: That's so crazy.
0: That's amazing and and crazy. It's 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 incredible, right? And I don't think I'll ever forget that story because, you know, as a clinician, but now also as a parent, I'm thinking, you can go crazy thinking about, I can remember this. Did I just ruin you? Like, <laughs> how much am I going to have to pay for in therapy for this?
1: Like, <laughs> you know, I, I think, um, I think today's parents who are very aware of therapy are very much aware of like, oh my God, how much is this bill going to cost? Like, I just yelled at them. Whereas like, I don't know, you, you and I are a lot the same age. Like, I don't think our parents worry about therapy. I'm, <laughs> I'm going
0: to be honest. The first time <laughs> My stepson came home and he won't listen to this, so we're fine, but he comes home. And, um, and I, I'm nursing my baby and you know, he's 18, right. And the poor kid didn't ask for any of this. He's super sweet. He's like our, our babysitter extraordinary They have the best relationship, but he walks in the house and I'm just like, I can't even afford what I'm going to have to pay for this later (laughs) in life. I'm so sorry. Like this is, this is your life now. We just, yeah. Boobs out. I apologize. (laughs) Oh, you know what I do find though? is like
1: men with, like younger siblings or sisters are a lot easier around women as they're older women who, especially if they end up uh, marrying a woman, I think uh, everything's a little less weird, <laughs> more normal. So I think it's you know I think it's good for him. The sensitivity <laughs> that comes along with it for sure. Yeah, but also you know like it's um I when I see people freak out, this is nothing to do with this podcast everyone, but like something that angries angers me the most is when I see those people who get upset at someone breastfeeding in public, but. Then they're the same dudes who oogle and ogle over a girl wearing a too low cut of a top. And it's like, I just, I'm really starting to, I'm really confused. You don't like Like, it when they're out, but you do like it. Also,
0: did you just not get cow's milk in your coffee, cafe, latte, whatever? I mean, like, I know. And I didn't get it until I was in this experience. I was just kind of like, oh, whatever. I didn't really have an opinion about it. And now I'm like, no, this is actually the most. Yeah natural, normal thing. Anyway, that's
1: another, another thing. So, okay. I want to, uh, um, talk a bit about, uh, I want to definitely get into what led you into your own podcast, but before then for people who are intrigued by trauma, trauma therapy, being trauma informed, um, is it as easy as Googling like trauma-informed trainings near me or is there a, like, is there a book list or a, a site, a place on your site where people can get this information? I just want to make sure that people who are intrigued by being trauma-informed, um, because it does, it does, it is freeing when you actually understand it a bit more than when you just hear like, oh, your actions could trigger something or activate something like, right. you know, especially for the, let me just explain. We apply as instructors to listen to this a lot and they touch people. And when yeah. they hear yeah. like, oh, make sure you don't, you could, t- if you don't touch, if you touch them in a class that doesn't expecting it, that could be activating or triggering. Like it makes them go, am I allowed to touch what am i allowed to do? And I, I have found in doing this trauma-informed training, even just so it's, it's a breathwork training that I have a lot more, since I have awareness around it, I also have a little bit more freedom. I'm like, what is acceptable and what isn't and how do you work with that? And so where can people go who are intrigued by this and ready to learn more?
0: For sure. First of all, awareness and informed implies curiosity, right? And the best place to begin your curiosity is just asking your patient or your client, are you comfortable with this? How does this make you feel? Um, Can I do this? I think I am going to give you some great resources in addition to that. But really, each person is unique. Their trauma experience is unique. They're going to have different responses to it. So I would say treating as a very individualistic experience um, is, a, is just a great way to start before you can read the books and do the trainings and all of that. As far as books go, the absolute Bible on trauma-informed care is The Body Keeps the Score, uh, which is by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, a uh, good Dutch, Dutch name and, and uh, uh, a fabulous resource. We're going back to Heritage today. Yeah. Um, that is a, just a great place to start. And it, it connects to so much of what you've already been talking about with the focus on touch and on breath and on knowing your own body, because it's true, it is stored just in my, and that's why I tell you my story about herniating the discs in my back, because I could go and like I said, I've traveled all over the country talking about this and yet that is still happening to me. So we can read all the resources in the world, being aware of your own body, because it's true that our body does keep the score of what we have experienced, what our emotions have experienced um, what, what we physically experienced um, psychologically, all of that. Yeah. Beyond that for trainings, I would say to look into something specific to whatever your industry is. So there's not going to be like a, a one-stop shop for trauma-informed. So for myself, we have a training for music therapy, for Pilates, like you mentioned, there's a training for breath work, things like that. Even if you're in the corporate world, I've seen that there are corporate training for being an employer that is trauma-informed, which I think is Wow. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. So even if you're just in the, you're not in a a helper profession or or in therapy or anything like that as a profession, but you're in the corporate world, financial, uh, marketing, whatever that looks like. I think marketing actually is a great area. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think so. Right. Just to think about your messaging and what you're actually promoting and, um, or how to do it, how the best way to do it in a sensitive way. So but like I said, just for getting started today, for wait, making one trauma-informed decision today after you stop listening to this podcast, if there's someone in your circle, a family, friend, community member, client, patient, whatever it is that you have that concern with that you think that they might be activated in a way, ask them, yeah. you know, talk to them, find out from them personally. And I'll be willing to bet just making that step of that awareness and curiosity and and compassion to to connect with them, you're already going to start bridging that gap. Yeah, without taking it even a step further.
1: I I, I agree. I think that's you know also um, something that is easier to do. Not easy, but easy it, as easy as that is. Like if people are talking about how they're feeling, you can also just listen. You don't have to actually like you don't have to agree. You don't have to ask. You don't have to say, I see that in you as well. You don't have to like, you could just like, if they can just, they can just talk and you can just sit there with your eyes open and hold the space. And then you can, can ask them, do you need more time? And if they're like, yeah, then they can keep going. And if they don't, they'll go, okay. And then you can, you can also just move. You can keep going. Right. So I think like people are like, oh, I have to have a conversation with them. And, and one of the things that we're doing is like, being a feeler. And like, it's kind of amazing when you just let someone talk about how they're feeling and then you don't say anything. And then we ask if they want a pop-out question, which is like, what's your favorite color or whatever. And you know, like it kind of brings it back, but it's kind of amazing. Like if you just let people feel what they're feeling, it doesn't keep, it doesn't have to keep going. <laughs> like The feeling can have its moment and it can pass like a cloud, you know, not that it's over, but um, there's some interesting things with that. I think we can all learn like little bits and tell, cause you know, everyone has their own thing. And I, I think um, a lot of people listening to to be all or nothing. It doesn't mean you have to go all the way today, but you can start with curiosity and asking. And I love that tip. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So you have a podcast, mindful mentor. Yes. Yeah. I've been on it, y'all. It was a freaking great conversation. <laughs> so you're gonna go listen to that. Awesome. <laughs>
0: it, yes. Yes. Yes, you are. Let me just say we're not gonna say we invite you. No, you have to yeah. go because Leslie, you're incredible. And you just you brought so much just clever wisdom i don't know if you've ever been told you have clever wisdom before but that is how i walk away from this i just i felt renewed uh, as an interviewer, even just talking to you, um, and just as a person, so I just want to thank you and honor you again for your gift you gave to the Mindful Mentor because um, everyone who listens will be blessed by that. So well, thank you. Words of
1: affirmations, my love language, and clever wisdom is going in the next bio. So <laughs> <Fun>. <laughs> we're gonna okay. we're gonna put that in there. Um, I'm always looking for new <laughs> new words to go in there. So, what made you start a podcast? Because as someone who started one, it is a lot of work. Uh, that yeah. you maybe are like, I'm, I talk, I do lives all the time. I'm just going to do this. And then you're like, whoa, there's some, there's some steps in here. <laughs> yep. So yes. um, what made you start it and and what are you excited about with it right now?
0: Yeah, thank you. So my background uh, was in live radio, which I started as kind of a marketing arm of my creative arts therapy practice, um, which is creative arts therapy of the Palm Beaches. And so we staff and develop music and art therapy programs for medical and educational and community-based programs. So um, we were kind of using the radio show as a way to interview different individuals in the community, but also um, outside in the national, sometimes even international people to call in and interview about creative approaches to healthcare Mm. and to education. So anyone had kind of, yeah, it was really neat, a different like out of the box idea of how to reach people. Um, because as we talked about, everybody is is individual. So sometimes programs that are so structured um, aren't going to meet everyone's needs. So I did that for several years and I loved it. Um, but then I kind of wanted the experience of trying to do something a little bit more flexible um, on my own and trying to produce it myself. And so that's that's the journey I'm in now. And it is a lot of work, I will say that, but it, it's doable. I have do not have any kind of formal... Um, audio tech training. I'm just smart enough to know to delegate things <laughs> to, <laughs> to other people, the things that I cannot do. Um, I love interviewing. I love putting out content. So I just, I kind of took a break from it for a little while. And then I'm going to go back to a point that I made earlier. So the work that I did with Stoneman Douglas, like I said, that kind of renewed my energy as far as seeking out opportunities to do trauma-informed work. So I reached out to a community here close to, uh, like I said, I'm in West Palm Beach, Florida. So uh, one of the communities here, Riviera Beach, um, has an extremely high rate of gun violence Mm -hmm. and especially a lot of young individuals um, dying from gun violence. So it's not a community that's been rocked by a school shooting. It's a community that's rocked by every time they leave school and walk home. Yeah. And that that is a persistent daily fear. So I kind of reached out to the community there. And I've made some incredible friends from that that I just I just came to tell you how these women have blessed my life, but somehow I have just divine intervention ended up in the lives of these women who are uh, leading this impact this intervention um for young women and young men to to be supported in environments so that they know they have other options um that they they don't have to um, feel the pressures to go into gang life or yeah. into drugs, or if they're survivors of violence, survivors of sexual trauma, that they have someone who will believe them, who will listen to them and to break these generational ties and to just build up and, and just breathe life into this community. I can't say enough about it. it's house of love If you want to check out the nonprofit doing that work and the vision. Um, that Can Sabrina- you say that again?
1: House of love zillionaires, uh, close love billionaires,
0: love billionaires. <gasps> Oh, I love that. So Sabrina Harris is the uh, executive director of that nonprofit. And she got a a calling, you know, from, from God, that's her faith that said, build a a house with a million rooms, you know, for people to just love on them. And so she started this uh, nonprofit. She's a licensed mental health counselor. They do a lot of community outreach programs. So I, I met with them a few times and um, you know did some programs together for, for the women in that community. And as we're sitting in this room, and I was the only white person in this room, and so the, to trust me and bring me into right. the community, I didn't live there, um, to trust that I had good intentions, that I was going to stick around, that I wasn't just going to say, hey, I want to help and then take off. Right. Um, I felt the warmth of that. And then hearing everyone's experience, I again, could connect it to so much that I had experienced as a child. Not the same. I know that I didn't have the same situation. And I was also very aware of, of certain privileges that I had because of my skin color in that moment. But some of the things that they were sharing, I could connect to. And I'll never forget sitting in this room, having a conversation on couches, just kind of fireside chat style and thinking, these are stories that need to be oh, elevated in the yeah. community. These, these need to be told. And not only do the stories need to be told, but the stories of empathy of, of how people are responding um, to each other throughout this, how they are aware of it themselves, because it's one thing to experience something, but to never share it, um, to never acknowledge it in yourself, to let it just sit and Hey, again, spoiler alert, that's, what's going to affect your body. Right. And then when you share it, it's like a lifeline you toss out for someone else to say, I really needed to hear that. I'm I'm going through that too. And that's how that community and empathy grows as well. So yeah, I just, I wanted to take the work that I've been doing, which made me aware of my, my life really, and all the things that I had kind of shoved down and not been acknowledging for myself. And because I think it took being in a moment where I was with individuals that If you had taken a snapshot, you would see all the differences, quite honestly. If you had really dug in, you would see all the things that connected us.
1: Oh, that is so beautiful. And I think that has, I think that's really a lot of moments. I think like face value, it's like, how are these people all together? But like, if you go on the deeper scale of like cellular level um, of experiences um, and, and emotions, there's so much that actually does bring us together. And in listening, Um, to each other, it it, uh, has so much healing, you know, um, opportunities. And, and without that, then there's really no way that you can do anything that's next. Right. Like, cause you, I mean, we all know, like uh, if, I mean, we go to Cambodia, a lot of people are shocked by like how family members can treat their children or have their children do different things. And it's like, when you don't know how you're getting your next meal, you're not actually thinking about the, uh, the elevating of your child. You're not like the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's is just going to say, yep, <laughs> it is a real thing. And so when people, you know, I had a client who was frustrated with like some crime in her area. And I'm like, you have to understand if they don't feel that their needs are being met on a very basic level, they're not seeing the other people as anything other than an opportunity for them to survive. And I think that like, it is so important for us to to understand that but i think it's really beautiful how you've let your your curiosity and your gut and also your willingness to listen and and be empathetic to others kind of guide you into what's going to be next for you and i it's really beautiful i've learned so, i've learned a few so many things in this conversation and i i want to have more of them i hope that people are in, as inspired as i am to be like wow well, you don't you don't have to be the most expert person to just be in the room and sit down and like listen, just and and be there.
0: And I think another point to mention too, and I think anyone who's committed to this idea of be it till you see it is aware of it on some level, but that doesn't make this easy. Like it was not (laughs) easy or comfortable for me to be in a room. Again, I look different than everyone else in the room. I'm an outsider in the community. I'm coming in to say, I want to help with something that I really have never truly experienced myself. And then in the middle of that, I'm feeling all of these things about myself right. and my own personal trauma. And the easy thing would have been to run out of that room, never address what came up for me and really remove myself from that community. So I, I became acutely aware of the fact that I had more work to do on me so yeah. that I could show up for others. And there was a choice there. And that's kind of my new like, mission with the Mindful Mentor that I'm, I'm promoting a lot is that everything we do is a choice. They, these yeah. are all just dots. We have to make one choice to connect the dots and bad choices are dots too, right? So it really determines what image we're going to create from one choice to the other. And so it's not always the easy choice to show up in that way and to show up as your authentic self, it does require some work, but it's worth it. So
1: worth it. It's so beautiful. All right. Um, I mean, we could keep talking. We'll just have to have you back. Um, we'll get some be it listener questions and we'll have to have you back. Um, uh, we're going to find out how we can listen to your podcast and find out more about you just a quick second. Hey, love, my Full Body in 15 program starts really soon. It is free for now. It is a $347 value. I know. Yep, that's right. It's a three part program that's going to be taken over the course of a week. And when you snag your spot at OnlinePlotty'sClasses.comslash Full Body in 15, that's OnlinePlotty'sClasses.comslash Full Body in 15. Put your name on the list, get in. We're going to have so much fun. You're going to walk away with a 15 minute workout that will work your full body wherever you are, whenever you want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The Mindful Mentor. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, everywhere that you like to listen to your podcast. You can check me out on Instagram at Mindful Mentor Brie or on Facebook at The Mindful Mentor. Website is com. Yes, that's yeah. correct. And then the email <laughs> is info at dot com.
1: Amazing, amazing. The team will put that all in the show notes, so it's like really easy. Click and and just let her know takeaways and how this felt, or just what it brought up for you. Um, what you know, I love that you brought up. It's not easy <laughs> to be it till you see it. I also think um, it's not like I think a lot of people could hear your story and think, wow, that's gonna be so rewarding to work with people like that and help them do this. But also like. It's very heavy, and um, and you know, uh, it's not like you go home every day with a a badge that goes, "I helped people (laughs) today." You know, I have a cookie now. I helped someone today. Yeah. So, um, so I just want to say thank you for being someone who does that. Um, There are people like you in this world who are doing that is amazing work, and it is uh, very necessary because I think so many things that we're all going through is because of trauma unattended, unseen, untaken un- care of. And I don't know. I mean, um, maybe that's the wrong choice of words. I don't know that it gets taken care of. It just becomes mm-hmm. something that you understand in your body. And um, so you can handle. Learn how to cope with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cope. Build yeah. that
0: resiliency. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, ask everybody, what are some be it till you see it tips to prioritize yourself? Um, so how, yeah. like, what do you think? It can be one, it could be three, it can, whatever you're, what's I meant for you?
0: Absolutely. Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind for me, and and I'm just going to stop at one because it, it's, it's a big one. It's a big one is figure out what lies, and this is going to be trauma specific. That's a lot of what we going to talk about today. If you are someone who has experienced a trauma, big T, little t, it's yours. It's your experience. You don't have to compare it to anybody else's. Figure out what your life looks like on the other side of that. This is going to do a couple things for you, right? It's going to allow you to expand your worldview of not just there's a mountain right in front of me, I'm standing at the base of it. and I don't know how to get to the top. I want you to imagine what is on the other side of it before you even take that first step to get over it. Cause you will, you absolutely will. And, and all of that will come in between, but just figuring out what life looks like on the other side of that for you, what are you in you can call it whatever you want. You like new year's resolutions. You can call it that your goals, your aspirations, um, whatever that looks like for you, but you just have to imagine it's not that the trauma doesn't exist, but with that, with that experience in my life, what does life look like on the other side of it? And then you'll have that encouragement to move through it, to grow through it because you will, you will get through it. You will go through it, but it's a little less motivating. We can't see how beautiful and sweet life is once we get to the other side.
1: Oh, I think that's so beautiful because it's true. I mean, like... it. <laughs> It, it makes me I mean, I I also think like it goals, visions, everything like if you can't picture what it's going to be like, it's really hard to go through the hard stuff because you're yeah. like, when is What's this going to end? What right. is the point? Why am I doing this? It was easier just to live through the other way, you know, and it when it is like going through big T, little T trauma or just going through any goal in general it's not easy i don't know who told you it was going to be but it's not and then you know but if you know what sweetness is at the end as you mentioned it does it does give you a little bit more drive it gives you a little bit more incentive a little bit more reason to take that next step yeah
0: and it oh. gives you that, that downward slope on the other side of the mountain, the easier side, right? Like otherwise you're just still climbing and it's exhausting and it's hard. And part of that climb is involved for sure. But we want to see, we want to see what that, that other side, when, when that dreams in sight looks like.
1: Mm, so beautiful. Bree, thank you so much for being here and sharing your words and your journey. Yes. I think it's really inspiring. I'm um, yeah, I, Amazing. And everyone, please listen to the mindful mentor podcast. Um, you can, you can start with our episode. So, you know, you know, the voices, yes. but then binge out A because I think you're going to learn. Yeah. I think you're going to, I think you're going to be inspired by so many. Um, I'm so grateful for you being here and I'm grateful for everyone who's listening because, because of you podcasters like Bri and I exist we can't, if, if no one's listening, we kind of are just talking. Just we just talk to each other and listen to <laughs> yeah. it on repeat. It's like, like. a long phone call, <laughs> a very formal phone yeah. call. Anyways. Um, I am so grateful for you. Please do us a favor, screenshot this, um, tag us with your takeaways, tag us with what inspirations came out of this. And, you know, even if you, um, just text it to a friend who needs to hear this, who's had curiosity in that way, that is also amazing. Um, but we do love seeing your takeaways. What, what landed for you. And until next time, be
0: it till you see it. Thanks, Leslie. Bye, everyone.
1: That's all I got for this episode of the Be It Till You See It podcast.